When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey yo, hey yo, I came a long way since back in the day From a teenager trying to make it rap in this way Ever since I was a kid I had something to say Rocking mics was a dream I didn't care about pay I sacrificed late nights and going out with my friends Just to stay home alone with my pad and my pen Had my eyes on my prize, my mind on my goal As I carved these rhymes out with my heart and my soul I didn't have a CD, all I had was a tape On the dole through my flow was my only escape From a world where they didn't want to see me prevail Don't want to see me take it all, they'd rather see me fail it's I was down and out, struggling, wondered how I'm gonna make it through, I got a dream, I got a dream, holding on, I'ma hold on, I can't let go cause I gotta make it come true, hey yo, I got a dream to make morning it morning to you, welcome into the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner, 2nd of March, 2nd of March? Yeah. 2nd of March 2024. Uh, it always sneaks up on you, doesn't it? 2nd uh, of March 2024. Welcome into the show this morning. Here is Louis through till 8am. And then I'll stay around for the mail run with Mick until 10am. Then we'll be back to the test cricket scene. But nice to be chatting to some fellow Cantabs and South Islanders this morning. On what is a pretty stormy morning here in Christchurch. I don't know about you, wherever you are around the South Island. But it was blustery, wasn't it? Very strange, although it's meant to be Norwest today and get pretty warm, so hopefully everyone's doing well and ready for a nice weekend. Um, I would like to be able to say how good is it to be able to sit down and be in a strong position to watch some Test cricket, but the Test cricket's a, a, in, in a little bit of a flimsy spot, isn't it? What a strange day yesterday was. The highs and lows of Test cricket. Very, very interesting. Garth Galloway's going to come up before the end of the show, and we'll talk to Garth about the cricket. I thought we'd have to do some cricket. There's plenty of cantabs in there. I tell you what, Matt Henry. (laughs) Matt Henry. Isn't he playing out of his skin? He is bowling so well, and he deserved a wicket before the the end of play last night. With the last ball, he just set Nathan Lyon up beautifully. Got it edging off the shoulder of the bat, and Tim Southey, who's kind of in the wars a little bit at the moment, uh, managed to spill one. But Matt Henry's playing well. Tom Latham desperately needs some runs. Uh, another one of our very, very popular Cantabrians in that Black Caps side. But we'll talk to Garth about the cricket. What a strange old day it was. So many highs, so many lows. More lows than highs probably yesterday, I think a lot of you will tell me. Hey, double eight, double three, if you want to come through, or 800 If you want to talk anything Canterbury sport or shout out any of your events or club sports teams, anything of the like today, make sure you do that. Come on through. Um, of course, we love community sport, just like Trident Homes does, designed for living, built for life. Uh, I'm happy to talk to you about anything around the region today. Where's your mission? Are you heading into the hills? Are you heading into the Alps? I'm potentially weighing up a, a slog up Mount Grey tomorrow. Is that a good idea? Looks like it's actually going to be a bit fresh. The weather is meant to turn. But there's lots going on. I've got plenty I want to talk to you about because we've got Crusaders tonight, uh, of course, and first weekend of Matatu Rugby as well. Um, Super Rugby Opiki is here, and we've got six debutants. So Whitney Hanson and her Matatu coaching group have named their squad's take on the Blues. 
So that is the first round of Super Rugby OPIC. And remember that as part of the kind of follow-on and wash-up from the Women's Rugby World Cup we had here, they really wanted more of this in an extended competition. So they got it, which is fantastic. So uh, the Matatu are going deep south. They're taking the first game to Invercargill, which I think is blimmin' awesome, to be honest. So uh, it's a team for the South Island, and true to their roots, they're going to take take the their clashes with the extended season around the South Island by the looks of it because they're off to Invercargill to Rugby Park. So later on today, 4.35pm, um, we've got the Matatu playing. And how's this? We have got uh, a potential six debutants in the team. Uh, we've got Laura Bayfield, Winnie Palomo, Holly Rat, Gronwig, and uh, Cheyenne Cunningham. So uh, Kaipo Olsen Baker starts at number eight in her first game for the team as well. And of course, uh, Lana Bremner will be there in the back row as well with Kendra Reynolds. So um, some more Black Ferns is in Georgia Ponsonby, Amy Rule, and Pip Love. Very experienced players there in that squad as well. Uh, the full team list reads Pip Love, Georgia Ponsonby, Amy Rule, Emma Dermody, uh, Laura Bayfield, as we mentioned, Alana Bremner, Kendra Reynolds, Kaipo Olsen-Baker on debut as well. Uh, into the backs, we've got Dee Henney, uh, Liv McGovern playing first five, uh, Grace Brooker and Amy Duplessis in the centres, uh, Winnie Palomo on the right wing debuting. Um, we've got Martha Mataeli on the left. Rosie Kelly starting at fullback. So and m- more uh, debutants on the bench as well, as I mentioned. So that's cool. Nice to have Mata to uh, rugby back, Super Rugby Alpaki back. Um, it's been a it's been a long time. We probably don't get enough of it, do we? We kind of get starved of it in between. So uh, that'll be fantastic, especially heading into the uh, club rugby season here and. Um, no doubt women's club rugby will be at the front of many people's minds as well as the men's stuff and the junior stuff across the region. So we get Marta 2 at 4.35 and we get the Crusaders because what do we have? We've got Super Rugby, ooh, what are they calling it? Magic Round? No. Super Round. Of course it's Super Round. Obviously it's Super Round. Super Rugby Super Round, of course. Why wouldn't it be? That would be mad if it wasn't Super Round. Um, and it started last night. Unfortunately the Blues won. Sickening, really, isn't it? The Highlanders are on a absolute dire trot here against other New Zealand teams. I think, I read during the week in the press, that it's going back to 2021 since they beat a, a New Zealand team, which is... It's a long time. Considering they're never far away, but they're just not... They're not copping hidings. They're just not quite getting over the top. And they do have a very different squad this year, and that's exactly what Billy Harmon, someone we know well, that was saying. Like, this is not a team that has previous demons. Well, they lost. 37-29 last night. Uh, that's important for the Blues, because the Blues have got the weight of expectation, as they, as they will every single... Every single year until they can actually put it together and perform and be a successful Super Rugby winning side. So this year, Vern Cotter steps into the breach, and a lot of people are telling me, no, stop being so flippant about them. They're actually a proper team. Well, they have to beat teams like the Highlanders if they want to be that. So if they want to be a contender, that's the sort of business they have to handle, and they did. So good on them. Good on them. Wow. Uh, Rebels 48-34. Nice for the hometown Rebels to win their... Super looked like lots of people were there, didn't it? And just imagine that emoji with the long nose. 
Um, oh, well, super round. Rebels are hanging on, but they are literally on life support. So for their fans, uh, it's nice to see them get a win over the Western Force. 48-34, got to be honest, didn't watch that game. I don't think anybody's going to blame me. More importantly, Crusaders are playing the Waratahs at 9.35pm tonight. I will be staying up for that. We've got Moana Pacifica, Fijian Drua as the precursor, or the first game, uh, which is epic because like, you can guarantee close to 100 points in that game, I think. It's fair to say. And then Crusaders Waratahs. The Rob Penny Bowl. Mm. <laughs> Rob Penny Bowl. Rob Penny. Rob Penny, who has taken over from Scott Robertson. By all reports, all my spies down the road there are just saying it's tickety-boo. Just kept on going down there. Obviously, he's doing things differently. There are quite significant changes to as far as his style and the way he communicates to Scott Robertson, obviously. But as far as the processes they're following down there, it seems like it's all just ticking over. And a lot of the hands-on stuff seems to be working, and it's much the same. So here is your Crusaders side, and then we're going to hear from Rob Penny. He faced media during the week, and we have his press conference for you. Um, here's the Crusaders side, though, working backwards. Shea Fihaki, fullback. Actually, let me give you some footnotes on these on these players as well. Shea Fihaki, who has had all the tools but potentially not just been putting it together uh, and, and, and a little bit lack of opportunity. I mean, these things are kind of, they feed themselves, really, don't they? Um, for the last wee while. Shea Fihaki's going to get an extended chance here with Will Jordan out for the season. Shea Fihaki, I thought, was industrious last week, although he kicked. Um, he'd like a couple of those back, but that's fine. It's not every day you're going to have Damien McKenzie staring down you at the other end of the field, is it? Actually, it's probably only going to be two times a year. So Shea Fihaki is going to start at fullback. Severus, nice to see him back playing good footy after that injury. Levi Omor will grow into the season. He is a guy with a huge, huge ceiling on him. David Harvili, epic to have the experience of David Harvili back. That will be a calming presence for this back line, especially when you consider inside David Harvili is Taha Kimara and Noah Hotham, who are young potential superstars of the sport. Taha Kimara is, um, yeah, he's got talent in spades. He's been touted all the way through uh, his schoolboy years and his, his representative grade rugby. And I think he's in the right place there. And I don't think too many people would argue that he's found the right club in the Crusaders to get the best out of him, especially getting to play inside David Harvili. They'll learn a lot about Taha Kimada um, this week and tonight. But whatever he does, he'll be better for it, I promise you. Cullen Grace. All black Cullen Grace. Not even a big call. Tom Christie. Dom Gardner. Boom. Love that back three. Quinton Strange, Scott Barrett, love that second row. Fletch and Yule, awesome to see Fletch back after uh, we knock in preseason. Um, he's going to have a major year as well. He's a very consistent operator, and he just obviously is a workhorse there. George Bell, all black George Bell, not a controversial call. George Bauer, literally an all black. Uh, Quinton McDonald, Joe Moody on Franks. Jamie Hanna, exciting prospect on the bench. Christian Leo Wheelie. Uh, Mitchell Drummond, Ryan Crotty, Dale McLeod fill out the other reserves. So that is your Crusaders 23 for Super Round tonight. Rob Penny, well, he fronted media during the week. We have got a good extended snippet of his press conference here. And let's hear from Rob Penny ahead of the Rob Penny Bowl. Let's just start on the, on the injury front. Is there any update on Tamaiti and Rivers? 
Yeah, both look like they're probably unavailable until after the buy at this stage. We um, are still going through a bit of an assessment process, but um, we'll know more probably by the end of the week. Yeah, it's a um, you know it's a bit of a juggling act, but we're really confident with the depth we've got. Obviously, Taha now becomes um, very important um, and a great opportunity for that young man. And then behind them, David Harvey's back, which is um, a great security blanket. Uh, and um, you know, Crotz is on the bench and has done a job at ten previously. So in that area. Um, We've got a lot of experience uh, and we're, we're really comfortable where we're at. Yeah, we're starting getting to the pointy end of some negotiation, but there's still a, a wee way to go, so I just can't give you any insight at this, at this stage, but it's progressing. And just while well, I remember on the injury front, Brody McAllister and, and Ioannou Wainanu, still with Quinton, obviously, where, where are they at? Yeah, Brody's probably in, at least another, well, post buy again, so at least another five or six weeks away. Um, and Yuan is very close, so he's potentially available in the next 10 days, which is great. With the outside back cover, are you able to go overseas for that or you just go to other academies or other teams? Mm. So it's, yeah, it's all encompassing really, so we would have done a global search. Um, you know, most boys are contracted, um, so there's, a, there's some challenges there. But there are some, some individuals that are coming off contract in the next few months that um, we're talking with and able potentially able to accelerate their releases. So yeah, hopefully we'll um, be able to let everyone know in the next week or so where that sits. Yeah, just a bit of housekeeping, Lee Halfpenny, has he had a surgery? Would he, is he still a good chance perhaps of being back at the round robin finals? Yeah, yeah, Lee had it, I think it was less than three or four days after he ruptured in the Northern Hemisphere. So was actually very, very good in some ways that he was able to go and see the shoulder surgeon that did his surgeon uh, surgery maybe seven or eight years ago. So um, great relationship. It's all gone really well. He's back here now, and um, he's assisting those the back three um, members in their rugby stuff and helping us as a coaching group. It's Will Jordan had a surgery. Yes. Does that go to plan. And yeah, hundred percent successful. There was probably a little more in it than what they initially thought. So it's great to get it out of the way now for him, and he can look forward to you know the back end of the the year. Okay. Um, Coming up to the Waratahs, I mean, obviously you've, you've been there in the past. What, what's it like for you? Is there emotions going back? Do you sort of want to stick one up them, you know, get the victory? How does that work? <laughs> no, none of that. I just want our boys to play really well, uh, Richard. It's been, my time there was, um, was you know, in relationships there have been really strong. I've got good affinity with a lot of people still back there. Um, circumstances were difficult at times, as you know, but um, no, it's more about the, our performance and what we do. Um, on Saturday night and I feel as though um, you know not everything went to plan uh, against the Chiefs but we've had a great learning week the coaching staff have done a magnificent job and the players have you know bought in their their own um, bits and pieces as well and and from there we've had a really really good week heading into this game so hopefully we'll see some progress. How did that help you in the Waratahs as a pro coach I mean we always hear about learnings and you're going team to team but clearly it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Is there, do you take good and bad out of it? What do you, what do you oh, those sort of circumstances aren't really learnings. They're, they're, they're pretty challenging um, to your resilience factor. And, um, but um, you're philosophical about it in the end. That's where it, that's where it sits, really. Just with the Chiefs, you did so well to fight back and probably could have won. Is, 
Is that one something you've spoken to where we would bring out that word resilience that you guys could have closed it out at the end and how you do that in the future? Hell yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's, I guess, um, where we're at a little bit. <clears throat> and it's our job uh, as the coaching staff and senior members of the playing group to support those people that are in critical decision-making positions at critical moments to get those um, areas as, as, as correct as you can. You know, it's not, a, it's not an exact science, but there's a lot of discussions and, and a lot of working through the scenario-based stuff as we speak to try to improve that area. Last one from me, talking about scenarios and getting things right. Mouthguard gate, has there been any progress in it? Do you have confidence that the technology is going to be right for this next game in the Super Round? Oh, look, I think the technology is going to take time, Richard. I think it's all put in place for the right purposes. We, we just have to be flexible and malleable with the with the technology and with what happens um, and not get too hit up about it. You know, it's, it's not a big issue for us. Okay. It'd be bloody frustrating though, Rob, if you've got a key player that's taken off and... Going, what the hell is going on? Yeah, but we all know that it's sitting in the background. Um, we discussed it prior to the game that those things could occur. So, yeah, we just have to roll with it, Richard, because it's in whether we like it or not, and there's no use uh, getting too much um, or getting too anxious about it. Um, well, I think it's it's more about are they ready, uh, whether it's um, you know the level of experience. Obviously, we've got some some great nines here with a lot of experience and, and we're blessed in that area. We just feel Noah's ready now and, and happen to be that Taha's now starting outside him and they've had some combos together previously but it's really about it's their time uh, this weekend to you know show what they can do and we're excited about that and they, they'll deliver you know they're quality people and they're quality players so we're, we're very comfortable. Well it hasn't really as I said you know it's it's, um, it's, it's one of those experiences that you go through. I'd rather not have gone through it um, in terms of the exiting. But, uh, you know, people make decisions and you, and you move on. Rob Penny, ahead of the Rob Penny Bowl. And um, a lot, plenty of good questions there of Richard Nola at uh, the press. Very experienced and seasoned rugby journalist himself. And um, interesting around the, the smart mouth guards. Is that what they're being called? The super mouth guards? No, that's the super round. Um, the smart mouth guards, the highly intelligent mouth guards. Um, yeah, like what's Rob Penny meant to say there? And I think that's the way to handle it because this is ultimately for the betterment of the game and the longevity of the game. And these are incomes that these guys are going to earn for hopefully a very long period of time. But they can only do it if the sport isn't being torn down by lawsuit after lawsuit. So, <laughs> you know, sure there's going to be... I nearly did it. There's there's going to be teething issues with these this technology because there always is across any sport, across any sort of technology that gets implemented. But you just have to trust that they are working on it to get it right. And um, look, it's ultimately not going to decide a title, is it? And if you think it is, then your team is not good enough. Let me break it to you. Just in case for when you hear the Blues fans start saying and blaming the smart mouth guards about some... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not actually going to make a difference really, is it? Um, tell you who I'm excited to watch tonight. Macca Springer. Huge watch on Macca Springer. God, he's exciting. Very, very, very exciting. Right. Uh, that's the, a lot of Crusaders preview. I want to talk to you about Tom Walsh. I want to talk to you about the Canterbury Cricketers. Uh, I've got a little anecdote about what I did last Saturday. 
And I want to talk to you. Actually, no, breaking news. Breaking news. Literally quite breaking news. Um, Rob Penny had, during the week, mentioned that they needed artillery reinforcements for their outside backs because half Penny, now Rehana sidelined, Will Jordan, obviously out for a, a, a long period of time. Well, I tell you what I've just seen on Twitter. Johnny McNichol to return to New Zealand. Scarlets have agreed to jo- to Johnny McNichol's request to be released from his contract to take up a playing opportunity in New Zealand. If I control F Crusaders, it doesn't say Crusaders anywhere, probably because Scarlets are respecting the fact that the Crusaders want to announce it themselves. But here's a long-time servant for uh, Canterbury Rugby and the Crusaders who went off to play and, well, he's done a hell of a job for... Scarlets and Wales as well. Uh, obviously, Wales is in a, a way different place in their um, uh, uh, position in world rugby. Warren Gatlin's rolling the changes. It's a new era of Welsh rugby. Johnny McNichols, 33. 130 <laughs> appearances for the Scarlets. Can you believe it's been eight seasons since he left? Um, he played 10 times for Wales. Amazing. I'm pretty sure he's raised a couple of kids over there as well um he's been over there for a very long period of time i'm gonna put two and two together and say johnny mcnick was coming home guys here's a funny story about johnny mcnickel johnny mcnickel was one of my favorite players when i was in high school uh going back to his early years at canterbury uh, me and my footy mates we were just obsessed with johnny mcnickel because he just ran hard and fast like a big thoroughbred horse he just got out ears like those long legs he just pin his ears back we used to love it Canterbury was in a shock, an NPC final, I reckon 2013 or 2012. No, it would have to be 2012, maybe. And, oh, was it 2011? Gee, it's going back a while. No, it wasn't 2011. It might have been 2012. And we, we did a, held a big sign, I uh, made a sign. There was a US election going on at the time, so that'll give you the clue for the year. And we did uh, McNichol for president. We thought we were geniuses. We, we painted it. We took it down there. And, um, God, it was so obscure. No one else was supporting Johnny McNichol as hard as we were. Ah, oh, you just do these things, don't you? He thought he was a major celebrity. I remember on Sky Sport <laughs> afterwards in the change room when they were all smashing beers and you know singing the team song and stuff. He's got the sign that the draped around him. There you go. It's my Johnny McNichol story. Thought it was the best day ever. Johnny McNichol, he's coming home. Twenty-two minutes past seven. Uh, we'll go away. We'll come back. I want to talk cricket with you. I want to talk a bit of Tom Walsh as well. You're listening to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. It is 22 minutes past seven. Got no muscle, no hustle, no backbone. I stand alone, not tripping. Just saying, I'm different. Ain't hanging on to the coat sales of the next man. Passport in my left hand. Thinking that you are next. Heck, oh, you ain't holding your breath, man. Cause I'm out here. I'm hungry. I don't play around, trust me. Ain't had as much drive since my Honda Civic got rusty. And my girl said she loved me. It's funny. D dot Dallas on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Um, one of the great YouTube clips of all time is the the George FM mix PNC D dot Scribe P Money. It would have to be from 20 years ago, nearly, and it's a freestyle they did on like the the 10th anniversary of uh, P Money's session. Um, that he used to run. Ah, very, very good stuff. Not why he came to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. But anyway, what I will, will want to, what I do want to talk about, and what I will tell you is exactly um, 
how the New Zealand Open has shaken down after two days because, well, we're halfway through the 103rd NZ Open now and the players that missed the cut have missed the cut. Um, and that's just kind of how it goes. I tell you what, Izzy Dags into day three in the Pro-Am. Izzy Dags into day three in the Pro-Am with his playing partner, Ben Fortin, Orton from uh, Australia. He's in a tie from, for 28th in the uh, professional on the leaderboard, leaderboard. But in the Pro-Am, I think they're in a kind of similar spot. They might even be about 10th or so. So Izzy Dags into day three. I can't remember if Izzy Dags has gone into the weekend before. Well, into day three of the Pro-Am. Um, hey, good luck, Daggy. Go out there and play well. It seems like he's absolutely razor sharp at the moment. So that's very exciting for Izzy. Uh, i tell you who's been doing a good job. Uh, Laura McGoldrick, the whole Sky Sport coverage team down there in Queenstown. Fantastic stuff. And what we've done is Braden, my man here, has found us a recap of day two at the 103rd NZ Open from Queenstown. So we're going to take that in on behalf of and thanks with thanks to the New Zealand Open and Sky Sport. Well, conditions on day two of the 103rd New Zealand Open presented by Sky Sport were perfect for scoring, and so it would prove. By day's end, more than 30 players are within five shots of the lead and within just three of second place. Here, Carlos Pigeon from Spain birdied the 15th from the bunker to get to eight under and within just four of the lead. Australian Brett Coletta birdied the 16th from behind the green to also get to eight under. New Zealand golfer Kieran Muir birdied the 18th of Remarkable's course and he too is at eight under and within just four of the lead. Australian and DP World Tour player David Michaluzzi, his third shot at the 15th, would set up a birdie. Lovely, mate. Cade McBride from Australia birdied the sixth and he would eventually finish at nine under. Japan's Yuta Sugiura birdied the ninth, and he too is at nine under and just three off the lead. Former winner Matt Griffin birdied the seventh. But the surprise of the day was the marvellous performance by veteran Marcus Fraser. His second to the seventh, or the sixteenth of the Remarkables course, to set up another birdie and he would finish at 10 under and just two from the lead. Daniel Hillier, the New Zealander, the leading world ranked player in the field, yeah. got on a bit of a roll towards the end of his round. This is a birdie at the 17th, one of four to finish. But it would be Scott Hand, the Australian, the veteran and multiple winner on the Asian tour who birdied the eighth, 18th hole. And at 12 under, he leads by two from a group of five golfers. There you go, Scott Hind in the lead. He is 12 under to par. Uh, Dan Hillier in the chasing pack. There are one, two, three, four, five of them. Uh, Josh Geary, Marcus Fraser, Matthew Griffin, Sam Brazel. Uh, they are all 10 under two shots back going into moving day at the NZ Open, 103rd edition of uh, Dan Hillier. There you go, the, the top-ranked world competitor. I actually didn't know that. Um, it makes sense considering he has won multiple times on the DP World Tour now. Um, Dan Hillier is, has got a major, major future. Obviously, we know that. Scott Hens, though.
He is fending them off at the top of the leaderboard there. Hey, good luck to everybody out there today, including you, Izzy Dag. Go hard. Uh, Very, very excited for you, mate, to be into day three. Um, Did you see Carl Tilly manage to get a a hole-in-one? This is Carl Tilly from the TAB. Yeah, you probably heard him on here before. He does a very good job. I think he's like the content manager. He works very closely with Paul Mawadi. He's playing down there in the Pro-Am, and he (laughs) had a hole-in-one. Unreal. (laughs) It's so exciting. It is very, very good. Uh, I've got a little bit of Tom Walsh news. So Tom Walsh is obviously a great Canterbury from down there at South Canterbury. Um, he's taking on the World Indoor Athletics Championships this morning at about 9.30am. So in about two hours, I'm sure this will be on Sky Sport. Um, he is, uh, yeah, feeling really good. Mark Hinton had a story with him and stuff this week uh, about exactly how well he's feeling, and he's feeling really confident. Uh, he's obviously multiple-time a world indoor medalist, and I think he's probably one of our better chance going into this week in, is it Glasgow? Where is it? It's in the UK somewhere. Yeah, it is, it's Glasgow. So where they had the Com Games a, a few years back. Um, so there you go. Tom Walsh, he's in the World Indoors Athletic Championship. There's a 10-strong Kiwi team there. Um, Tom Walsh, particularly a good chance to take a medal, which I'm certain... If he throws up to his capabilities, he will do. Uh, I want to just quickly mention before we go away, come back with some more cricket and Garth Galloway. We're going to focus on the international cricket, but Plunkett Shield cricket. How good's this? Canterbury just racking the score up in the first innings in their latest Plunkett Shield match after becoming Ford Trophy champions over Auckland last week. Oh, that was so good. Finished work. Because of the rain delay, there was about 45 minutes to play. Hagley Parks, directly on my bike home. Just rode my bike straight up to the top of the bank, sat down, watched the last 40 minutes. Watched Cole McConkie, our man, our skipper, just noodle it around. Um, Skipper's knock. Knock Auckland off. No worries. Too easy. There's about 400 of us there losing our minds. Fantastic. Ford Trophy champions. Title town. Too easy. After the fraudsters up in Auckland managed to bring the rain in so they could win the Super Smash, we did it the right way. We did it the right way, didn't we? Anyway, back to the Plunkett Shield um, and Canterbury just running up a major, major score here against Wellington. Um, Ended up with 526 big centuries to Chad Bowes. Uh, Maru, 145 from 263. Couple of openers just absolutely digging in. Cole again, 82 not. Um, Scores by Kim McClure, Leo Carter, Mitch Hay. Uh, Ish chipping in, so everybody contributing. Wellington, they're chasing well. It's probably a road out there at Rangura because uh, Nick Kelly made 138. Um, <laughs> so obviously it's a pretty good batting wicket. They're 256 for five, though, in reply, so a long way behind. They tra- trail by 270 runs with five wickets remaining there out at Main Power Oval in Rangiora. Right, we are... 25 minutes away from 8 o'clock now. Uh, off the back of this, we're going to come back with Garth Galloway. We might even take in a little bit of audio from the cricket yesterday. Glenn Phillips and Nathan Lyons speaking post-match. So we'll do that coming up. 21 minutes away from 8 a.m. on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. So nice to be speaking with you this morning uh, live because we are in the midst. Uh, day three is ahead of us of a test match against Australia at Basin Reserve, as you w- would well know because you've heard it here on SCNZ. And, uh, wow, talk about the myriad of emotions. 
Oh, jeepers, jeepers. I feel like we should be invoicing for listening to this test cricket. Uh, that's just how I feel. It was an exhausting day yesterday with lots of lows and a few highs. Garth Galloway is so reliable. He's such a good friend of ours here at SCNZ. We love hearing his thoughts on the cricket. Garth, you would have been watching and listening along yesterday. How are you feeling? What's your emotional register like? <laughs> Well, I'm feeling vindicated. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's difficult really to watch, but but this is the one uh, test. You know, this, uh, in terms of how the season has progressed, this is the match that New Zealand had to turn up to. You know, and fight and perform. And we've talked about it a lot that Australia would force New Zealand into playing proper test cricket. Something I heard Jerry Coney saying yesterday, and and they've been found wanting, as I think uh, many of us thought they would be. Um, you know, it, 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 so, so yes, I, I was actually stuck in the hearing doing some law yesterday, so I didn't see much, but I then came home and watched it sort of ball by ball almost just fast forwarding through on the TV. And, you know, it was a very poor performance. Um, and that, that's the only way to sum it up. I suppose the only bright thing is they did pick up those two wickets at the end of play, but I think the game's away from them already, unfortunately. Yeah, it's probably a fair summation, Garth, and you you might have been um, uh, lucky to avoid watching it. I was trying to do my best as, you know, you build yourself up for these series, so I thought I yeah. owe it to myself and my team to watch it and listen to it the whole day because I don't want to flake on this team. I love them so much, but, man, there's just... Um, I, I really mean it, like a myriad of emotions, because it's... You, you just care so much, and then you start seeing... Um, like a collapse like we saw and then you start like the anger starts yeah. coming in because you start getting angry about selections and things that happened previously that are so out of your control but it, I, I guess it's frustrating when we don't play up to our potential because we seem to be able to go in stretches and playing so so much good cricket but then we play Australia and just falter do you believe do you buy into this mental hurdle yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I do. Um, you know, if we look at the first T20 game, New Zealand scored 216 and and should have won that game, you know, and, and Australia got there. They didn't, I think, didn't they need 32 off nine balls to, to, to win that match, and they got them. Um, I, I feel, that, and for me, that dented the psyche in terms of the T20 team, and I don't think New Zealand were ever going to get back into that series. Um, you know, we, we're just not tough enough to put these sides away. Uh, we see players, you know, if we look at the stroke play yesterday, um, you know, Ravindra, who we talked about against South Africa, mm. magnificent in that in that match up at um, at the Mount, where there's 240, but he was dropped early on and and he was quite loose. Now, you know, it's okay against the South African B or C side to to, to play in that way, but to then come out against Australia, you know, I thought. He's, he's going to struggle, and, and sure enough, he does. And, and it's a looseness. It's just a, a lack of discipline and a lack of understanding about playing against a side like this. You know, the run out of Williamson was just bizarre. Um, it, it was an extraordinary failing by, by Kane, I think, really, actually. Um, you know, I, I agree, Garth. Yeah, no, I, think I, I, think, I actually think he's out regardless. And, and I know Glenn Phillips spoke about this and True, said, oh, yeah. we'll, never, we'll, we'll never know, but it's the right thing to do to not, you're not going to throw Kane Williamson under the bus, but it, it's almost like there was a lot of, and you saw him when he was walking off, I don't know if you caught that part, but he was so, like, he was almost on edge, like, emotionally. He was, like, so charged up. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I felt, you know, I felt for him, and these things happen, and he's a, he's a wonderful player. But, but, but interestingly, though, you know, one of the other things that we've got to come back to, and these are things that I talk about, you know, when I talk about who the greats of New Zealand cricket are, um, 
you know, I admire Tom Latham immensely. He's a magnificent person and a fantastic cricketer. He's averaging 25 against Australia. You know, he averages 13 against South Africa. Um, if you look at Williamson, his average against Australia now is 38. He averages 36 against England and 37 against India. You know, those are the three top test-playing nations, in my view. And, and you know, Williamson's record is magnificent, make no mistake. But he averages 38 against Australia, 37 against India, and 36 against England. And that's a conversation worth having when you compare, you know, great players. Uh, so, so we just we do not have players really who turn up and perform. The other thing that I think is is really interesting is I, I can't understand why Phillips is at seven. Um, surely, you know, he is not a bowling all rounder or batting. You know, that, that that that's a position where you know Bracewell or the spin bowler in, in Santner might go, but he's not in it for that. He's a batsman who who, who doesn't bowl at Test cricket really. I know I know he picked up wickets in Bangladesh and so on. But but he's not a test match spin bowler, so he should be at six, and Blundell should be at seven. You know, you need to get Phillips in against these guys. So, and again, the other thing I think that's worth talking about, Louis, is the selection of Kugelheim. And again, I know he's yeah. two wickets, but I'm just shaking my head that they've picked him. It's again an, another decision which which tells you that New Zealand that does not honour spin bowling at all and will not play front front line spin bowlers. And if you looked at the end last night or towards the end of New Zealand Jennings line was to get, getting turn and bounce. I it's a it's a baffling one, Garth, because he is seemingly to me just never been good enough to play Test cricket, Scott Kugeline. Um so that's cool. He's he's d- doesn't have a future, I don't think, with this team. Uh are they that he they've obviously and I can we've got to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. I mean they watch so much cricket, they think so deeply about this. I'm talking Gary Stead and um, Sam Wells and obviously Tim Southey. That they they are the they are literally this is their job. They would have considered this so deeply and they have come up with the the scenario that he is the best option against Australia. But I just can't think of why. I really cannot understand it because even if you're saying Neil Wagner is not the bowler that he was and he is not the um, same weapon that he was last time we played Australia. I just think the left arm, uh, the left arm variation yeah. in, in yeah. itself was enough to pick him over Scott Kugelheim. And then coming out and watching him try and slog Nathan Lyon on his second ball or third ball, it was so infuriating because in another world, Mitchell Santner should have been batting there. And, and I know Mitch Santner would have dug in. Yeah, yeah look, I agree. And, and so, and, and I think the comments you make, Louis, are spot on. Um, to see, you know, that I, mean, I don't have any doubt at all that Wagner retired because he was told he wasn't going to be picked in the series and it was over. Yeah. Now, yeah. now for me, you know, I said at Mount Monganui um, when I was uh, commentating and, and doing some work with John Bracewell there that that I felt that, you know, I thought it would be unlikely that Wagner would play for New Zealand again. But at that time, uh, Jameson was fit. Um, you know, uh, they they had picked O'Rourke for the squad in Hamilton. And you could just see a shift, um, but then unfortunately they they are so conservative, so conservative uh, that 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 they that they think that bringing in a bowler um, like Kugelheim is going to be a better bet over someone like Satner. Now again, I've said many times that I don't think Satner should be playing Test cricket, but if Gary Stead says he's the best spin bowler in New Zealand, yes, um, then yes. he should be playing Test cricket. 
Yes, yes, that does, and that's that is it. That is it in essence, Garth. You got to stick to your, um, you know, if, if you're going to claim this and you're going to, you've got to die on that hill, Gary. And I, I, I honestly believe that as well, and it's it is frustrating. I just have not come into someone that's been able to explain to me why. I've not run into someone that's been able to explain to me why Scott Guggenheim's pick, but he is. Anyway, and last night we should have had them three down. Tim Southey seems to be living a nightmare at the moment. He did take two wickets, and, you know, that was fantastic. And, I, again, I wouldn't be – I said this yesterday. I wouldn't be surprised if he picked up five in the innings because he is class, but, man, he is in the wars wars yeah. at the moment with the pub, with the public. If if there was a, a way to uh, save face, resurrect this test, we're going to have to roll them cheaply. But, man – you know, like yeah. guys like Tra- and, and, Travis and look, Head. Yeah, look, that is a possibility, though. You know, let's. I think Australia. You know, if if you look at what happened against the West Indies at the Gabba, uh, you know, their batting is notwithstanding the outstanding talent they have, their batting is a little bit vulnerable. If the ball moves around a little bit sideways, mm. then then I think they struggle technically. And and I know that sounds like a strange thing to say about Australia, but they're. They're very good on pitches where the ball's not doing much. They're incredible. But when the ball moves around, all batsmen are vulnerable. So, it, you know, if, for example, they can get through line, I mean, the key is you do not want a partnership like we saw uh, between Green and Hazelwood yesterday, which really did sum up New Zealand's performance in this test, I think, and raise questions about the quality of the bowling. Uh, but what what they have to do is get rid of Lyon. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is he hangs around for an hour tomorrow, today, rather. You know, we end up, uh, you know, with that nuisance factor. So get rid of him and get inroads with this new ball. And again, if, you know, if, for example, they bowled Australia out for 100, 150 or something, you know, the New Zealand will, will back themselves, I'm sure. And Williamson would have a, a huge role to do there, and so much falls on him, unfortunately. But uh, so that that is their way back into the game, is to bowl Australia out for 100 or so. It's a huge ask, but they've, got, they've made a start. Um, so let, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens, Garth. Um, it's a Saturday, so I assume you'll get a bit more time to consume it today. I hope you will anyway. I'm, yeah, look, I am. I'm sitting on the, well, I don't need to tell you what I'm doing really, but on the end of my bed, about to take the dog Bradman up into the hills, uh, which I'm enjoying this <laughs> morning. And then, you know, so I'll walk with him and the world will be fine. And then I'll come back at 11 and hope that New Zealand can make some inroads into Australia. Uh, you know, and, and if you, and as you say, if Salvi takes five, it'd be lovely. It would. Garth, go enjoy your Saturday. Best to Bradman. You too, Louis. Thanks, uh, mate. <laughs> There you go, Garth Galloway and his dog Bradman on the end of his bed. Um, that's hopefully we're, we're not going to be later on tonight contemplating life because the Black Caps are going to take so many wickets. Uh, we're going to wrap the show after this. Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner done and dusted for another day. Absolutely loved it. Uh, a lot of good fun being here this morning. And uh, I tell you what, nice to get a text in um, from Mark who <laughs> Keystone Cops run out. How much pressure Tim's out of the year? A lot, Mark. Yeah, a lot. Thanks for texting on the Temple Bear Post text machine there, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks to Garth Galloway for joining us. Thanks to Braden for uh, putting it together this morning. I'll be back with the mail run. Up after 8am, we're going to talk to Roger James. And I've just read an article from Roger James speaking to Mick in the Herald. And he said that orchestral, his derby chance today, she's different because she can breathe. And that's what a derby horse needs, to be able to breathe. Just, Just breathe. Let's take Roger's advice and breathe when it comes to the Black Caps and the Crusaders. It's all going to be fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. 
Have a great weekend, you good Cantabs. Catch you later.